You're listening to Workplace Perspective, an employment law podcast presented by Sapphire Legal. Workplace Perspective is a regular podcast series for employers and employees focusing on education, training, and the law to help organizations of all sizes develop and maintain successful workplace relationships. The opinions expressed by guests on Workplace Perspective do not necessarily reflect those of Sapphire Legal or its attorneys and should not be considered legal advice. And now, here's your host, founder and principal attorney at Sapphire Legal, Teresa McQueen. Thank you, James, and welcome everyone to Workplace Perspective, where we are striving to raise the bar at workplaces everywhere. Today, we are talking uh, with Southern California attorney, Peter Stockberger. Peter is a partner at Denton's, practicing with the firm's global employment, intelligence, and strategic services, and data privacy groups. Today is part two of our episodes talking about the California Privacy Rights Act, an amendment to California's existing Consumer Privacy Rights Act taking effect in 2023. The California Privacy Rights Act does have serious implications for employers as it impacts how employers collect, save, and utilize employee information. Peter has, uh, if you haven't heard it yet, go back and listen to our first episode with Peter. He's provided some really interesting background information on the California Consumer um, Privacy Act and how it relates to the California Privacy Rights Act. We're going to get into acronym territory here in a few minutes, but I just want to get started by saying on our first show, Peter, I really appreciated you talk so positively about this Privacy Rights Act, and it's great to hear attorneys talk about laws that, you know, protection laws that aren't always so bad. So I really appreciate that. You, you feel positive about it or am I, mis- am I mistaken? Yeah, I, I think the development at the state level of more privacy rights for consumers, for employees at a general level is a positive development because I think that more people should know what's happening with their data, where it's moving, how it's being used. There's obviously some challenges with the CCPA uh, about the you know, how it's being enforced, how it was written, how it was drafted, the amendment process, the same challenges that come with any new law. Um, but the I think what the important takeaway is from the CCPA and the CPRA is that it's it's not the end of the world from a business perspective. There's ways to comply with the law that you can, I think, increase your market share, increase your customer confidence, increase your employee confidence. So I am more of a glass half full type person with these laws. Um, maybe it's because I spend so much time thinking about them. Um, but yeah, I would say, you know, there's positive, there's negative, but uh, it's all sort of mixed into a pot, in my view. I love it. I love it. Well, Peter, I realized I forgot to have you tell us, our listeners, remind everyone a little bit about who you are and what you do and why you're, you have such an expertise in this area. Sure. Well, my name is Peter Stockberger. I am a partner at Denton's, as you mentioned. Denton's is the world's largest law firm. We've got offices all over the world. And I am based here in San Diego, California, and I specialize in this crossover of employment law, data privacy, and cybersecurity. So every single day, I'm working with dozens of clients from all over the world on thinking through these exact issues. How do you develop a privacy program that balances employee and consumer rights with your business needs? 
How do you structure data? How do you structure notices? How do you drive your day-to-day -day operations while complying with this sort of complex patchwork of privacy laws that we see developing in the US, but also overseas? So it's a fascinating area of the law, never a dull day. Um, and uh, I love talking about the CPRA. Well, good. Let's jump into it. So in our last episode, you sort of gave a wonderful explanation about the California Consumer Rights Act um, and how it's going to be amended um, by the California Privacy Rights Act uh, in 2023. So let's start, let's shift our focus a little bit from the consumer rights and start talking about the amendment. So let's jump right into it. What can we anticipate? What's it about? Let's hear it. Yeah, so as we talked about on the last episode, the current law today is the CCPA. That's what took effect January 1, 2020. And if you remember, that was initially developed by these privacy advocates who wanted to see more data privacy in California, and they had proposed it as a ballot initiative. Well, that same group became unhappy with how the CCPA played out and how the legislative amendment process played out. So they introduced a new ballot initiative. Last year, they got it on the November ballot and it passed by a 57% vote majority here in California. And that new, it was Proposition 24. I don't know if you can remember how you voted on it. Most people don't remember it, but Proposition 24, and that's called the California Privacy Rights Act, the CPRA. And basically it's an amendment to the existing law and it adds new rights, new obligations new restrictions on how you can handle what's called sensitive data, geolocation data. Um, it's got all sorts of new heightened obligations on businesses. That amendment, the CPRA passed, it's officially the law, but 99% of it does not take effect until January 1, 2023. So all of the new rights, all of the new obligations, all of the new notice requirements, none of that takes effect till January 1 of 23. There is, however, one part of the law that's in, well, two parts of the law that are in effect today. One relates directly to employees, job applicants, and contractors. So we talked about on the last episode that under the current law, there's an exemption for that group of people for most of the law, but they're still entitled to notice and they're still entitled to security around their data. Then the CPRA that passed on the ballot extends that exemption through January 123. So effective today, they're still exempt, leading all the way up to January 123. But and this is really critically important for everybody listening. That exemption expires on January 123. It sunsets and there's no extension. Therefore, employees, job applicants, contractors, owners, officers, and directors, their data will, will technically be subject to the broadness of this new law starting on January 123. Unless there's a legislative amendment changing that, and unless there's a new law that changes that reality. But so as we stand here today, if you were to ask me, it, employers are going to need to get ready to have an, a full employee privacy program by January 123. And that has a look back to January 1 of 22. So starting January 1 of next year, the data you collect on your employees, applicants, and contractors will be subject to the CPRA. So you actually have to start mapping your data now, thinking about how you're going to structure your program now leading up to 23, unless there's a big legislative change. And we haven't seen any proposals yet. 
So I, you know, if I were, if I were in the shoes of an employer, I would start planning now. Oh, I think you're muted, Teresa. I can't hear your microphone. From, so it's retroactive, you're saying. So in essence, it becomes effective 2023, but it covers data back to 2022. Did I hear you right? Yeah, it's not retroactive. The way it works is on January 123, if I'm a covered consumer, which can include employees, and I submit a request to you as the employer, and I say, tell me all of the information you've collected about me, that request can go back 12 months. Oh, I so, see. So you're not required to comply until 23, but when you answer that person's request, you have to look back and tell them about data you've collected since January 1 of 22. So practically, the only way you can fully answer that question is if you have visibility into what you've been doing since January 1 of 22. And so what that looks like practically, you know, for, as a practical takeaway is, you've got to have a good data inventory. You've got to undertake a data inventory process now. Map your data. Get full visibility into what you're collecting, where you're storing it, where it's going out, what vendors are touching it. And that's a, it can be an expensive and kind of burdensome process to do that. But if you do it right and you've got that sort of data inventory that you can update semi-annually and annually, then you're in a position to comply much easier come 2023. Can you give an example when you say mapping the data or doing, uh, yeah, mapping the data, can you give an example of, of let our listeners know kind of what you're thinking about when you're saying that? Yeah, I'll give you an example. I'm doing one right now for a client. And what we're doing is we are sitting down with the head of HR, head of marketing, head of IT, head of consumer relations, and we are talking through what data does your group take in, handle, what vendors do you use, and you map that out. You can do it into an Excel spreadsheet, which is a bit manual. There are some vendor solutions that give you some nice dashboards that you can use. Some vendors also allow you to send questionnaires to employees to ingest the data and then separate it. But in the end, what you're going to want is you're going to want to have a, a map of all of your departments and what data are they actually handling. So who's handling social security numbers? Who's handling driver's license numbers? Is it being done in a secure way? Do we have full visibility into the vendors that are being used? And so you're literally mapping out what personal information you're collecting across the organization. And it informs what you're going to do from a compliance standpoint. Do we need to prioritize securing our employee database? Do we need to prioritize our external notices, which are not up to date? Do we need to prioritize our internal notices to our employees, which are not up to date? So that, that data inventory is basically your fact, your, your fact record to then drive what money you're going to spend on compliance. And if you don't have that data inventory, and a lot of folks don't, then you're kind of guessing at some level when you're giving notices and when you're trying to comply. So I, I'm a big advocate of doing the data inventory. Um, and it's a, it's a repeatable process. It's a process that you can scale. There's solutions for every size business. So it's not something that only big organizations can do. And I think it's the only way you can stay ahead of the curve with these laws is by doing one of those data inventories. Interesting. All right. So we have compliance and notice. What other things are we looking at? So once we hit January 1, 23, and let's assume employees and job applicants are all brought under the law, 
So everybody's equal. Everybody's covered under the law. This is what the law requires on businesses. If you're a covered business, and we talked about what's a covered business on the last episode, that's pretty much staying the same, except that 50,000 threshold that we talked about. Do you collect 50,000 or more? That's moving up to 100,000. Oh, wow. So it's actually going to keep out, you know, it's good for small, medium-sized businesses mm-hmm. because it'll, it's only really going after larger organizations. But if you're a covered business, you have to have your privacy policy updated. You've got to be able to respond to requests and people have new rights under this law. They're going to have a right to know what data has been collected about them. They're going to have a right to ask that it be deleted subject to a number of exceptions They're going to have a right to opt out of it being sold or shared for advertising. They're going to have a right to correct information that you have on them. And this is a really important point that's new that's coming up. They're going to have a right to control and restrict what you can do with sensitive personal information. These are your social security numbers, driver's license, passport. Think information that if it was stolen, you could steal someone's identity with it. That type of sensitive information, starting January 123, businesses are going to have to be very careful how that's treated how you, and segregate that data out in order to be able to respond to consumer requests. So a lot of moving parts there around business compliance. Some of the things that you can start doing now to get ready for it are thinking about as an organization, what's our position going to be? Let's say you have consumers and employees in California, in Texas, in New York, and Virginia. Are we going to simply address California and do a -a whack-a-mole approach and just have a privacy program that addresses California? Are we going to take the California model and are we going to apply it to everybody? And are we going to use it to market ourselves as privacy focused? So there's some real strategic thinking that I think people should be doing now to get ready for the law. One, figure out if you're gonna be covered. That's kind of question number one. But if you are, how are you going to roll it out? How are you gonna budget for it? That's people need to start thinking about what's it gonna cost to get up and running? And do you need to start submitting that budget now for 2022 to build the costs? A lot of organizations have code freezes in October. so. Do you need to actually program new notices, new functionalities by spring of next year in order to be up and running by January 1? So there's a lot of things to think through from a technical standpoint and a legal standpoint. But I would say starting now with are you covered and what's your strategic position? Those are things you can handle now and it'll it'll get you ahead of the game. I'm getting overwhelmed as we speak. We're going to take a quick break. When we come back, more thoughts from Peter on the California Privacy Rights Act. Stay with us. We'll be right back. The average time a resume spends on an HR manager's desk is seven seconds, and most of them are tossed aside. Now imagine if one of those resumes belonged to Yasmin, who was living in a shelter, juggling three jobs. I had to be resilient. That's something that you can't teach. Or if that resume was from someone who worked 12 hour shifts at the recycling company with my dad, who's 72. That taught me a work ethic that I carry with me every day. We rely so much on a resume, yet it could never tell the full story of someone. Growing up where I did, a lot of things could have gotten in the way of my goals, but I learned to push through, and that's what I bring to work every day. 
So maybe it's time we look beyond the resume and look to grads of life. Discover new ways to develop great talent that are so much more than what's on paper at gradsoflife.org. A public service announcement brought to you by Grads of Life and the Ad Council. If you enjoyed today's show, do this. Share us. Like us. Give us a review on your favorite podcast app. It means a lot to us, and it ensures more people tune in and raise the bar at workplaces everywhere. Welcome back, everyone. We are talking with employment law and privacy rights attorney Peter Stockberger about the California Privacy Rights Act. So you mentioned something, Peter, before the break, I want to go back and, and touch on the employee request for information. And I think that's got a couple of implications, like you just mentioned all those compliance issues and protections. But let's unpack a little bit more what employees can ask for and how employers can handle those requests. Um, is there any pushback for certain kinds of protected information that a, an employer might not want to share with an employee or might not be required to share? Right now, under the current law, employees are not entitled to make requests for access. And that's going to continue up until January 1 of 23. Oh, if, and I want to I ask you, though, but that's, that's besides, so there are labor codes that allow an employee and a former employee, current and former, to request personnel records or records that would traditionally be kept in a personnel file. This is beyond that. that does, this doesn't impact the labor, that particular labor code, right? Correct. So the labor code is completely separate here. The labor code provisions that are there around payroll records, personnel records, still there, can still be accessed. The CCPA does not give employee rights right now to request to know what categories of information have been collected, to know specific pieces, to request that they be deleted. Those rights were carved out for employees and job applicants under the current law. That carve out continues up to January 1 of 23. Unless there's a new amendment otherwise, starting January 1, 23, the right to make those requests will get triggered for employees and job applicants and contractors. And what that request looks like is they're allowed to ask what categories of information, and there's a whole list of categories under the law, what categories have been collected about me, from whom, how has it been shared, how has it been used? There's a sort of a whole category of information that you have to disclose to people when they submit a request. So that's, you know, that's going to require HR departments to coordinate with privacy departments to be able to respond to those requests. It's a pretty straightforward process. Um, but again, if you don't have full visibility into all the data you've collected, right. it, it, it's burdensome to respond. If you do yeah. have visibility into your employee data, then responding is, I don't think, going to be overly burdensome. The real challenge is there's another right. So that's the right to know but there's also the right to delete and employees will have the ability to say, I want you to delete my information. Now, when you're talking about, uh, I want you to delete my old address that's in work day. Um, right. Okay. Maybe that's Happy simple. To do that. yeah. And maybe you just give employees the right to do that through their own portal. The real challenge and what people have raised with the legislature is well, what happens if an employee says, I want you to delete that investigation into sexual harassment that you did on me last year. I want you to delete the complaints about me as a manager. Um, I want you to get rid of all that bad stuff, all my delinquencies. Well, I don't think they'll be very successful in those requests because the law has a number of exceptions built in. Mm -hmm. 
One of the exceptions is if you need the data to comply with a legal or regulatory requirement, you don't have to delete it. So that gives you a lot of protection when it comes to your investigative records, uh, maintaining records that the labor code requires, payroll, personnel. But uh, there's another exception that says if you've given the person notice and you've explained how you're going to use the data, then if you're using the data for that stated purpose, you don't have to delete it. So it's sort of an exception that kind of almost swallows the rule. But so the takeaway here is you have to be careful in how you craft your notices because those notices could be the basis for you to not have to delete a lot of data on the back end. So they're all interconnected, these kind of deletion and notice requirements. But I, I think, I don't know, there's, there's a lot of sky is falling around the employee. Oh, if employees get the rights, they're going to ask HR departments to delete everything. Well, they may submit those requests, but it doesn't mean you have to grant them um, under the way the law is written. So I'm not so pessimistic on that sort of outlook. I think the real challenge is, is getting to be in a position of responding timely, having visibility into your data. I don't think the actual substantive response is going to pose that much of a challenge. I think just operationally getting up and running is going to be the bigger lift. It always seems to me, and, and I know this comes out of a consumer protection, and it seems that it's, this is why I guess it's so confusing in an employer, in an employer aspect, because employers typically don't use that information in a consumer aspect. Like nobody's selling lists of their employees or giving out employee data information. In fact, at least from my perspective, <laughs> as you well know from litigation, businesses are very protective of their employee information. You can't get just anything by asking. It's got, there's relevancy issues, all, all sorts of things with regard to litigation and all that. And I know that's not consumer, but the consumer protections for don't sell my data, you know, now is becoming, it, it's just an interesting dichotomy, I think, where you, you know, the two worlds are coming together. And I could see, to me, the cyber attacks seem to be the more realistic thing. Like, what are you doing to protect my information? Because I have no control over that. Yeah, I, where you're seeing, I'll give you an example of where you're seeing this kind of uh, come up. And that is a lot of employers use, they outsource to vendors to do sort of benefit programs. <clears throat> so let's say you are an employer based in the U.S., all of your employee data is in the U.S., you store it in the U.S., but you now contract with a vendor in Ireland who is going to offer gift cards to employees who perform at a certain level. And you can go on to this Irish company's website and you can cash in your gift cards and you can get Apple's gift certificates and prizes and all sorts of stuff. And you start sharing your employees' data with that vendor. Well, if you're not notifying your employees that that's happening and they don't know that their data is being shared with the vendor, right. then you may have a CCPA problem because there wasn't adequate notice. And so I think transparency to employees is the trend around saying what you're going to do with their data because increasingly employers are using outside vendors, sharing it, data is moving between countries. And it's not a matter of getting employee consent around it, but it is a matter of notice. And that's where I think the trend in the law is moving. I, I am, you know, a lot of people think, oh, there will be another amendment that excludes employees. You know, at some point there will be something that comes up. I am not so sure, and here's why. The CPRA, when it was passed, there's a provision that says there cannot be any legislative amendment unless it furthers privacy. <laughs> and if you think about it, 
a, an amendment that f- exempts employees from these privacy rights is not an amendment that furthers privacy. Right. It restricts privacy. So I actually think if there is an amendment that's presented, it could be challenged um, by the privacy advocates. But that said, everyone who has been in, who drafted this law has participated, the privacy advocates, they've all publicly said the law was never really intended to apply to the employer-employee relationship. So we've got a tension right now. And I think we're watching very carefully to see in the new legislative session, so everybody put on your calendars January and February, that's when we're going to see if there's a bill introduced that would further exempt employees. If there's no bill introduced in that time period, I think everybody needs to turn their head towards, all right, we're going to have to comply starting January 123 with our employees. That to me is the, what I'm watching. Yeah. And it sounds like, you know, from what has to be done, people really should start ramping up. I mean, that's a pretty, if you're talking, you know, data mapping and all of that, getting organized, uh, just getting people aware of, Hey, this is going to be an issue. We're going to have to address it. I mean, the larger the company, the bigger the ship to turn, and it's just going to take that much more time. So I really do think that it's an important thing to start thinking about now. Yeah, what I'm seeing with a lot of clients is I'm sort of spending an hour or so with their teams and just walking through what it would mean to be compliant, what it would take, and letting them sort of ask questions and think through, all right, what's that going to cost us? Operationalizing the law. The law can be kind of opaque and weird to read, but there's some real operational impacts with it. And uh, so I think thinking about that now, strategizing, prioritizing, you can get ahead of it. And also you can work on your messaging because I think you could really use compliance here. It's a rare opportunity to use compliance to increase trust with your employees, increase trust with consumers, and maybe even use it to differentiate yourself from competitors. Well, I love that aspect, you know, I'm big on improving the employer-employee relationship. And I do think that there's a lot to that. I and mean, you mentioned it in our earlier episode about trust. So I, there's a there's a, a lot of benefit, and not a monetary benefit, but a lot of benefit to showing your employees, hey, we care. Like we're aware of the issue and this is what we're doing to get ahead of it and to let you know we're on top of we're on top of it. We know what's going on. So I think that's great. And I think, you know, you just can't buy that sort of relationship capital. You've got to just put it out there and you've got to make sure that you're mindful of it and to, to be able to utilize it when you can to really improve that, that relationship. And I think that's a great way to do it. For the most part, employers, I think, tuck away statements about privacy and security in their employee handbook. It's in the end section around security. You don't have any rights over your email. When you use our company computer, all your information is our information. And so I think sometimes that gives employees the perception that they don't have any privacy in the workplace, but it's not true. They do. And I think most employers respect that. So to me, there's an opportunity to maybe redraft those parts of the employee handbook, maybe take them out and have separate statements of privacy, separate conversations with employees, separate training. Take something yeah. out of the handbook? Are you out of your mind? We can't do that. Well, when you know when it's a hundred pages long, I ask <laughs> how many employees actually read, get to page seventy-two, and go, "Oh, well, I have a um, here's my notice of privacy." So, <laughs> you know, it's, it's I, my language. <laughs> yeah, I think you know, I'm a big advocate right now of creating. It's a separate set of policies and training around just security and privacy. 
and it gets people thinking about it. It creates a culture of privacy, a culture of security, which ultimately helps you as an organization comply with the law because your frontline folks on the phone or the marketing team, they're thinking about privacy when you're talking about it more. And so they're spotting issues with vendors or with customers that maybe you're not seeing from a compliance or a legal standpoint. So to me, there's there's a net benefit, but there's also cost involved in all of it. Uh, so that's that's always the challenge. I love it. Well, Peter, thank you so much. We are out of time. It's gone by so quickly. You have provided a wealth of information, some great tips some best practices for our listeners. And I really appreciate it. I want to thank you so much for coming on the show. My pleasure. Thanks for having me. You can learn more about Peter and his practice by visiting www.dentons.com slash en slash Peter dash Stockburger. You can also connect with Peter via our website at sapphirelegal.com slash podcast. I want to also thank our listeners, my radio angels, James and the Nave at Night and Workplace Perspectives team extraordinaire, our engineer producer, Paul Roberts, our associate producer, Melissa DeLacy, with music provided by the very talented Stephen Versaloni. Thank you all for joining us on Workplace Perspective. And until next time, keep raising the bar. Wow, wow, wow.